Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. We hope you'll be encouraged to have an I'm Third approach as you navigate family, leadership, and spiritual growth. If you're new to our conversation, welcome. It's so great to have you. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. My name is Shay Robbins, and I'm joined today by my teammate, co-host, and one of the K-1 directors, it's Beth Ann Lampley. B.A., say hello to the people. Hello, people. It's good to be back. It is good to be back. You know, we made it to 2023. We did. It's amazing. How do you feel about it? You know, I think because we work for Camp Shay, as soon as the calendar changes, there's just this sweet anticipation of summer is coming. There's expectation and also a little fear, but super That's exciting. Right. Oh, fear is a great motivator. It's a great motivator. Beth Ann, we've got a super important conversation today. I want to preface it this way. My wife and I, we have six children. And so each night we pray for our kids. If we were more holy, spiritual people, we would pray for all of our kids every night. But we're too exhausted by the time our head hits the pillow. So we, our strategy is we pray for one kid per night and marriage like on it. Sundays. And on a regular basis... We're, we're praying for our kids, and one of the common requests that comes out of our mouth is, give us the wisdom we need to be the best parents we can possibly be for Knox Robbins, mm. because kids are a moving target. Every one of them is different. Sure. And James 1 promises, you know, he who lacks in wisdom, let him ask, and it will be given generously and without reproach. And so we ask on a regular basis because we need help. That really frames up our conversation today. We want to talk about having wisdom in parenting. In order to do that, we have a special guest. That's right. We have a special guest today. It is Mr. Rick Brashler, or as I affectionately like to call him, Ricky B, Ricky on, B. The po- on the podcast with us today. And Rick is the Director of Risk Management at Canacuck. He's been on our team since 2003 and making us better ever since then. And a few things you need to know about Rick. He is um, an avid outdoorsman, okay? I want you to picture Billy the Bass hanging on his wall, singing a few tunes to get him up and going in the morning. He, he is that guy. <laughs> he is that guy. Uh, he loves to have fun. He's very adventurous, but he is also super passionate about Jesus, and that's why he is a part of this place. He's married to Julie. He's got five kids, which makes him an expert for our topic today, and uh, we're super thankful that he helps us and our team create a safe place for kids to have fun and hear the gospel. So, Rick, welcome. Well, thanks, guys, and thanks for that introduction. Having kids and being expert parenting are two, two different topics. But we all know by experience, we all learn and grow, and we, uh, we hopefully are getting better at it every time we enter and encounter something new. No doubt. Important information for the audience here is that Cohen Brashler and Knox Robbins are great buddies, and this year they started their, their journey in tackle football together. Rick and I, not only are we colleagues, we're also coaches together. We are coaches. We're coaches, and we, we, have, we have the double impact here. We've got Knox, who brings the speed and the, and the hit power, and oh, yeah. we've got Cohen, who brings the, the size. That's right. And, and the beast, uh, kind of the beast <laughs> performance. He so. is a beast, that's for sure. He is, he is so, both well, in mind and body. What was the record? Did you guys have a good season this We're going to talk more about uh, speed and, and, <laughs> that's and right. yeah. size and not so much record. <laughs> That's, that's we, yeah, that we have a little bit of work to do, let's be honest. So fifth only grade Branson here. football, only up from where we're coming that's from. That's right. Facing some giants. Rick, 
I want to start with your story. We want to give you a little bit of background. We're having you in here with a purpose. You're in the unique position where you're on your second round of parenting. Mm, Tell amen. us how that happened. Yeah, second round. You know, when you originally asked me that, I thought, okay, here we go, because here I am a young man growing up in my parents' house as a, as a, as a PK, a preacher's kid, loving home, godly parents, great upbringing, turning into a young man, having a vision of, man, Someday my family and my spouse, and we're going to do this, and then Thanksgivings are going to be this, and then grandkids coming home. And, and so that vision of that, as it kind of played out over the years, my first marriage, as, as you'll come to understand, had four kids involved in it, great, loving kids, loved them to death. And after 24 years, that ended in divorce. And so my vision and what I thought would happen all of a sudden crumbled in, and, and it wasn't the vision I thought it would be. And so as people of faith and as a person of faith, you begin to then go, okay, well, God, what's, what's next and what's your plan? And, and through God's grace and just blessing in my life, finding Julie and us having a, a relationship together and just being sold out, obviously, for what God has for us with a wonderful uh, spouse. And then not to be undone by a loving marriage to all of a sudden have uh, another child. 45, I wasn't expecting to become a dad again. Here we are, and now I'm uh, turning 56, and uh, I have a 10-year-old in the house. So it's been a, a very interesting set of circumstances played out when I have a oldest son who will be 34 on his next birthday, wow. and then three daughters in the middle spread out between their 30s and 20s. And now I, I have still an uh, in-home living you know, child who's 10 years old, and I get to attend all the stuff with other younger parents like you, Shay. That's right. Uh, and, I, you know, I feel young. I, I feel younger because of it. Really and truly, this is not just a toot your horn, Rick, but outside of your white beard, mm -hmm. <laughs> you wouldn't know that Julie, you and Julie are, you know, I'll just put in quotes, older parents. I mean, just the way you carry yourselves, you're skilled at making younger parents like myself feel like peers. And, you know, you just have a great energy about you. Thank God, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, they would say age is more of a mindset. Uh, I'm finding more that to not be true because at 56, more things are hurting, right? More hair is being lost uh, off my head if there was any to lose. But, <laughs> um, but, but it is, you know, we are, uh, we're a young, older couple. We, uh, we enjoy things. We, we're fun-loving, and I think that helps us to enjoy just being in different, different age groups of people, whether in... Uh, uh, Brad Dolliv's senior adult Sunday school class with with some senior adults. We enjoy that, but also uh, hanging out with a lot of young parents. Rick, thanks for sharing your story. Talk to us a little bit about what is different now. You've obviously gotten to experience multiple seasons of parenting, and, and culturally the world probably looks different than your first season of parenting. So what's yeah. changed? What's the same? How's that been for you? Yeah. You know, when I when I think about that question, the, the thought that comes to mind, and, and my, my wife and I have talked about it at different times, but I guess what I would say is the recipe has changed in rearing kids. We're kind of baking a different cake nowadays. <laughs> and, and what I mean by that is when I was raising John as a, as a young kid back in the late 80s, and, and certainly our, my childhood, whether I was a, a good or bad parent even, or really raising my kid in a, in, a, in a great way in many different regards, I had a lot of help from the community, a lot of help from the culture, a lot of help from the, the school district, because I think we were all still at that point raising young people with a commonality of, of interest, really to raise them to become what, what you would call a 
a really positive, healthy, godly functioning member of our of our society. And so I was really getting a lot of help when others would help acknowledge uh, our Creator and, and, and God's Word, even in the school district or even in the media or even in the community. So there was a lot of help parenting back then. There was also a, a really, whether it was spoken of or not, there was a mutual, let's respect our parents, let's honor our parents and honor our neighbors and let's respect them. And so that was just the cultural setting that I was raising those kids in, as well as what I would just call a, a general moral compass, things that are right and wrong which guided us through a lot of decision-making, especially as young people and young parents. I would say today there's a different recipe <laughs> that is happening culturally that is presenting challenges really for us as parents, and it's coming at us so fast. I often say, where's the playbook for godly parents to navigate because it's coming so fast and so soon? And I mean, when I say soon, I'm like, when the media introduces things into my child that grown adults should never see, but they're, but they're nine years old hearing that and seeing those images or whatever because of what media is fast-tracking to put in front of young people, honestly, I, will, I get caught off guard sometimes because I didn't expect it this soon, if ever. I would say the recipe has changed for culture about what they want to see, but for me, it stayed pretty static. And I want to raise a kid like I was raised and like I know to be raised in the Lord. And then I find the things that I'm trying to combat as a parent that are, that are fast-tracking, like media. You know, I said that before, media messaging is not just what I would call mistakenly or, uh, or, or haphazardly falling into this. It's a, it's a targeting and so when I look at how media used to be pro-morals or pro-family and certainly pro-creator in, in a lot of regards, now they are intentionally becoming anti-family, anti-creator, and really anti-parent. And so it's almost like there's this intentionality to dispel all of that and go in a complete opposite way, almost making me the enemy as a parent trying to do this. And so that's become a a reality in Cohen's upbringing that I honestly never really felt this much intentionality against me in prior rearing of kids. That'll make your head spin to think that that has happened in your life. Yes. With kids yeah. that you have raised, like yeah. two different. Well, and there weren't cell phones either, Shay, in John's era. There weren't right. cell phones. There wasn't the internet, you know, that was onboarding so fast and furious. And so that probably helped us back then to be able to keep pace as parents. Sure. You know, some of the other things, though, is the, the, even the academia world, you know, 30 years ago really was, I would say, providing and generally providing more of a, hey, we're here to do functional training of your child to help them in their skills to become, you know, business people and, and community leaders and that through, through education of things. And, but today, although that is still there, that doesn't seem to be the main emphasis. That seems to be something that they do while they're seemingly trying to progress a social effort That's right. and a redefining of things. And so you're like, okay, well, how do I continue as a dad now of a 10-year-old in a climate where I, I clearly see evidence, not just Rick's crazy notions. I see evidence, mostly a lot because of my job, that I do in, in the scope of child safety and all, I see, a, I see a much different effort intentionally trying to undermine from an academic standpoint. And so those are things that I'm trying to navigate as well. And, and then I would just say to shape this conversation is just the, I'm seeing a, a degrading of just the moral backbone of culture. And I'm not just talking 
you know, parents, I'm talking really across the spectrum. I'm seeing parental authority being disbanded. You do not have the right as a parent to have those morals and make these statements and hold this truth in your home. And parents are like, man, if I have a backbone and if I stand up for something, what does that mean to being maybe ostracized for my kid in school or us in a community? I'm seeing a churches across the country losing a backbone of standing on biblical truth and being able to declare that from the pulpit or in, in other instructional youth activities and kids and all, and just going, wow. I mean, where did the spiritual backbone go of our leaders in faith being able to stand on that? And certainly even school administrators who want to be able to provide the kind of setting that helps education, they don't have the backbone or are not able to have that, if you will, by school boards or whatever to say, there are just some things in discipline and in instruction that we need to maintain here for not just for instruction in, in the in the core functional things you need to learn, but what about just peace and, and the ability to learn without so much disruption? So that's really working, I think, against the, the parents of today that honestly, I didn't have to do that with the first set of four to the degree that I'm recognizing it so proliferant now in these settings. You did a great job of framing this up. And I want to get into the I want to go into the practicals of some of the things that you guys are doing the second time around. But before we do that, I want to ask you a question and I'll frame it this way. You know, we have six kids with our last one with Sage. We're trying to pump the brakes in every way. You know, you always hear people say, oh, I don't ever want you to grow up. Well, now I like totally get that. Like we're soaking in every single day. I want her to be three for the rest of my life, you know? And so what is that like for you to have Cohen, your, presumably your last child? Amen. How are you looking at that responsibility of raising him with, with the perspective that you have? Sometimes it just feels like you're going 100 mile an hour down the highway and you're looking out the side window and the trees and things are passing you so fast that you can't even get a, a good picture of where you're at in location. And that's kind of like parenting sometimes, you know, it just moves so fast and then bam, they're gone. As I've thought about this, I think the number one thing as I look at Cohen and just look at my wife and I and going, where, what do we need as, as individuals and, a, and as, a, as parents today? And I would, I would coin the first one as just faith maturity. And I say that to say, the statement is, I can no longer expect the culture and my community at large to support or to fill in where, where I may lack. I mean, not everybody's a great teacher, right? Not everybody's a great this or that. And so in the faith community or in the community at large, we really kind of like a, it takes a village to <laughs> raise a kid. I really feel like the parent of today, including myself, needs to pursue a maturity of faith in such a way as to understand the landscape and be able to really sit in and defend, not just outwardly as we, as we declare what we believe and try to challenge people to Christ in ways that we believe helps their lives in, in many different ways, but also try to instruct children because of the, the culture they're going to be raised into and sent forth into. And for us to be able to have the maturity of faith to understand God's plan and purpose, but also understand some of these topics that We've really, honestly, even in the church, have really never had to go and define specifically with which to provide instruction because why it was generally understood. But now it's like, well, what do you believe? And that sets you 
either in this corner or that corner. And then it gets really divisive in many regards because of how the arguments are then constructed. So I think for us, number one, to again, I think it always was wise in any matter to go right back to God's word and try to not only understand it for us individually through a, a maturity of faith, but also be able to find the words that we need to be able to explain things to our kids so they they just don't hear a poster board. They actually hear and see coming from God through my parents, what should I know? And why should I know that? And where does my faith get grounded? And then the last thing, and I got this late in life and the four kids, I always apologize to my oldest four. I'm like, so sorry. I mean, I learned on you guys and John, I'm like, man, I just cut my teeth on trying to parent you. So, you know, it's actually my brother just said, listen, uh, he said, you know, we always talk life coaching, right? We're always life coaching other adults and stuff. And that's become a key word nowadays. We're life coaching. And, and he just introduced me to more of a life coaching of my kids. And so Cohen probably gets all of this, this stuff more than anybody. But And so we're working, you know, Julie and I are working on the question, Cohen, describe to me the kind of man you want to become. Now, we, we first introduced that at like age three or four. <laughs> And, and he doesn't know really what all that means, but it's like, okay, well, let's talk through some descriptives. Do you want to be a person known as a liar? Well, no, no, dad, because we knew, you know, we discipline against lying because obviously it doesn't please, please the Lord. And so we talk about, do you want to be an honest man or do you want to be known for that? Yeah, yeah. So we just walk through this, this picture of what God would want us to become, but we just brought, bring it down to a six-year-old and just say, just explain to me, because here's what your mom and I want to talk with you about and agree with you on that we really like the kind of man you're saying you want to become. A man of integrity, a man of character, a devoted husband, a person who's respected in the community because of your integrity and character and the way that you serve and help others. And we talk word pictures around that to try to shape that to a point and, and then we don't use that as a ball bat to go, oh, well, you really failed there. Not. Remember that conversation we have and continue to have about the man that you and I agree you want to become. What we just encountered is not that man. So let's talk through when we, when we talk back to mom in a dishonoring way, or we didn't do what we said we were going to do with the chores. You know, little things that will become bigger if we don't resolve them now when you become an adult. But let's just talk about that man and, and how do we make adjustments now so that man starts working on that before those become habits that turn into really bad outcomes, right, as, as a young adult? And so that's kind of been the, been the guidepost, I think, that we use moving forward, trying to understand we're still talking about that man. Cohen is a 20-year-old. Cohen is a 30-year-old. And that man starts today with the kind of things that you and I are talking about that you want to develop. And we're, we're rejoicing with you about that decision because that is that kind of man. So way to go. And then over here, it's like, but that choice or decision is not. And so he, we're, we're just shaping up then his ability to play in that space in his mind and his heart and hopefully improving. And, you know, some days are better than others. Hey listeners, Shay Robbins here. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd like to personally ask you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. With your help, we can continue to reach more listeners. We're excited to hear from you. Please send questions to our team for a special audience Q&A recording in the future. Additionally, we're also interested to hear your suggestions for guests and topics. Send your questions and suggestions to podcast at canacuck.com. And now, back to the show.
Rick, as you're talking, I'm just thinking about the the commitment to intentionality, like to do all the things that you're saying to help Cohen become the man you want him to be when he's 20 and 30. That means you have to stop and you have to pause and you have to have conversations and you have to explain things. You have to discipline. And I think maybe someone in your situation could air to the side of, oh, it's the last one. We're just, you know, and maybe step back a little bit. But I hear you saying even more, we're having to be even so much more intentional. And that can be exhausting to know and figure out all that's going on in culture and how how do we do this as parents? But how are you and Julie staying, you know, intentional to pause and to take all those moments of teaching? And maybe where are you already seeing that pay off in 10-year-old Cohen? We come up with kind of words of the year. <laughs> my my word this year is just present. We're overscheduled, right? I mean, culture has us there and we're fighting against that. But but I think for us, the, being present in the moments that we have are so critical. And, and then I would add to that, being present is time. And, and those are about in every parenting book out there. But you cannot buy back with vacations, the time that you didn't spend on a, on a daily, weekly basis. However good or bad that time was spent, it was time spent. And I think some, we can't always be stupendous parents spending the best time with the kids, but the day in, day out, and I think we often get trapped into, well, I'm going to take us on a good vacation because I've worked so hard, and, or, or I'm going to buy great Christmas gifts because I have to work so hard. Scripturally, that was never laid out for us that way. Relationally, it doesn't work in marriage, and it doesn't work in rearing kids, so why would we think it works at all? But I think oftentimes we, we feel the, the, the pull to provide in such a way and that my kids are not wanting for anything because I'm providing everything. And at the end of the day, when you talk to me, high school graduates, and you say, hey, what's the one thing that you appreciate so much about your parents? Oftentimes, which I just had a conversation with some not long ago, they said that mom and dad didn't give up on me and they kept pushing me for success and spending time with me. And you go, wow, that's not what you said at 12. It's like, leave me alone. But then as seniors are like, man, thank you so much for pouring in. The time element spent with kids in high-functioning time where you're doing exhilarating, super fun things, but also just the downtime where you're just being real with them. Probably the thing I learned now more than ever with Cohen is, I can't tell how many times I've just had to apologize to that kid. And you're just like, hey, man, and dad didn't get it right today. You know what? I said or did things that, that yeah, looking back, that that was not it. And I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And of course he's like, yeah, so, yeah, sure, dad. And, and you know, I, I probably didn't have that awareness with my, because I'm thinking, you know, with my first set of kids, if you will, or at least I hope I exhibited some of that. But I think as you get older and, and now I have shoulder surgery and, you know, I mean, things start happening. You just go, man, I just need to relax a little bit and I'm not perfect. And he deserves to just hear my heart. And the fact that I'm just trying to be transparent and genuine to say, I'm trying to be a great dad to you, but I really didn't do well there. And I think that deepens that relationship and understanding. Rick, you and I are like-minded in a lot of things, and I know you to be strategic with actual experiences, knowing that you've got a goal in mind, right? Like a, a character goal for Cohen to grow in, so we're going to do, we're going to run this play. I just want to throw a couple of character qualities at you. And I'd love for you to briefly share just here's a couple things that we do that help instill this. So work ethic being one. 
of course, work ethic, you know, I think we all, we go right to career. And that's really the last place that kids understand work ethic because they never see dad and mom work. Or rarely they do. What they see is how we function together to run a home and what we're willing and able to do and to, to put forth ourselves to serve the needs of others in the home. And that can be around taking out the trash, doing dishes, feeding the animals, building fence, mowing the yard, planting the garden. And I think they see the the outward sign of that, of, wow, you know, this is a family functioning together, working together to accomplish some things. And I, and I think there's value in them seeing whatever we do in our families to to run a home and run a family. But I think what they also see is, or hear more importantly, is what's being said about it. And if anything, you, my kids will come back and say, you said this. I'm like, when did I say that? It's like 30 years ago. It was like, oh, so what I did was not as important maybe as what I was saying and the words I was using to talk about what we were doing. So, so you're saying it's like, we did this, but they knew the why. They knew the why. Right. And if anybody complained about or was negative about, those things seem to stick longer than just going, you know what, sometimes there's a ministry of silence. If, if I don't have a positive, healthy, encouraging, uplifting thing to say about picking weeds in the garden today, maybe I just should pick weeds and, and listen to what the Lord's doing rather than me complain about it because it's the complaint that says, wow, dad doesn't like this, so we shouldn't do it. Mm. Oh, wow, I didn't want that to be his memory. Right. Because the work ethic comes into working hard and producing kind of the, the what the family is striving for, whatever it is, uh, and certainly something that is God-honoring. So, uh, and, and, you know, the work ethic outside the home certainly is providing for, being dedicated and, and, and serious-minded when it comes to providing for the family and being a, a good contributor to whether ministry or community or education or whatever you're, you're committed to. Okay, another one, quick hitter. Courage to do hard things. That's a big one. Yeah, I heard a statement the other day, and I'm probably trying to key off of that even in my old age, is say, you know, we're not doing hard things today, so life will get easier. We're doing hard things now because life is going to get harder, and we need to be prepared for the harder. That's right. And I'm like, wow, that's... Man, I wish I would have come up with that, but that's a billboard right there. So I'm, you know, so that kind of shapes what I think I was trying to do, but somebody put it into words that just goes, you're right. You know, it's like, man, you know, dad, we're, we're doing all this hard work around here and you're asking me to, to make decisions that are hard. And I'm like, yeah, it's not to, so that it will be easier for you because I'm preparing you for life that is going to be hard. And I want you to not be surprised and taken uh, over by that. I want you to overcome and persevere through it when the hard comes. So we've got to kind of prepare you for that. So Wow, uh, uh, such a great statement and kind of pumped me uh, up as a, as a 55-year-old. So, Yeah, I think you can do things to manufacture, you know, doing hard things, whether it's climbing a mountain or, mm -hmm. you know, just going on a hike or building something together. But hard times are going to come naturally for every kid and not saving them, but being, yeah. there, being there with them to just emotionally process is, is going to gain that endurance and strength that is so necessary. Yeah. You know, we always really talk about risk as being a negative thing. Honestly, taking risk is a very positive, healthy thing and helps you grow to become an adult and to persevere hard times. So you don't need to be foolish about risk, but I mean, and I'm a risk guy, so I know. So 
we as parents, that's why we wanted our kids to walk and we were okay with them falling down, but don't fall against fireplace. You know, allowing our kids even at 16 and 18 or whatever to to still grow and take risks and to learn from those and to help coach them through those only produces a, a young adult and, and a future parent that is able to understand the, the emotional highs and lows that life has. And, and I can testify, I've had some highs and lows in my life that I had to persevere. Okay, let me give you one more and then I'm going to toss it over to Beth Ann for some closing thoughts. How about guarding the heart and the mind with a, with a goal of, of purity? Yeah, again, so intentional these days because it used to be where the community, the culture protected, even if I wasn't trying to. But nowadays, all filters are gone and it's being promoted in such a way that you can drive down the road and see issues that challenge purity on billboards. Or you can see it during a football game commercial and you're just going, okay, can we not do anything anymore? So I think the challenge in what Julie and I have really, and she's, she's just really a, a hound dog in this, is just pursuing and, and filtering the content that would continue to introduce into our home. And I'm not just talking the physical home. I'm just talking our family and our home that would really begin to, to break apart either our marriage or begin to challenge our ability to, to provide an environment where Cohen can be a kid. He can think through the silly, funny things that kids have to do without all the burdens that an impure world would try to, to involve him in at, at an early age where, where it should never be introduced and it should not be in his mindset with, with which he has to struggle with or create anxieties over. He can, he can deal with that when he's an adult that, that deals with other adult things. The purity of that conversation media, exposure to people in society or whatever is a constant, constant battle, I think. And honestly, finding families that we can co-labor with and do life with that have a common approach is, is certainly a great addition to your, to your community to be able to do that. But I didn't have to really worry about that much, as much at least in my first four kids. It was a much different kind of outlook on culture and what people generally believed in your community. I always kind of go back to <laughs> balance as a great place because we're unbalanced in a lot of places. And so I just encourage myself as, as the biggest cheerleader saying, Rick, get it right, but not becoming so bent one way that that life itself, which, which deals with time spent with family and, and, and upbringing, personal life balances out of sync. That's a killer of everything. Rick, thanks so much just for all your thoughts today. So encouraged just by the way that you and Julie are raising Cohen and what you've done with your other kids. And just some closing thoughts as we're talking today, parenting and raising kids is a, a lifetime investment. And there's going to be years where it feels like it's short. It didn't meet the goal that you wanted in years where there's a lot of growth and a lot of good things. And so an encouragement to parents to stay in it don't give up, stay intentional. And I'd like to end where we started, which is James in chapter one, verse five. If anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously and without reproach. There are no perfect parents. We all make mistakes, but God is graciously offered his wisdom um, to help us along the journey. Rick and Beth Ann, thank you so much for spending time with us today. And we want to thank our listening audience. We hope today's conversation serves to fuel your I'm Third Approach to raising up kids. With that, we'd love to pray for you. Father, we just come to you today and, and we lift up these moms and dads out there. 
I want to ask God that you would give them wisdom. We know that every kiddo is unique and different. And we ask, Father, that you would give them insight into their children and uh, that perhaps today would just spur them on to be an intentional and thoughtful in their parenting. And we pray for your grace and your mercy over all of our mistakes and shortcomings. And we pray for those that, that perhaps aren't parents yet, but certainly are influencers. And we pray, God, that they would come alongside young people and be that positive, godly influence that uh, so many young men and women need uh, in this season. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope today's conversation left you encouraged, strengthened, and empowered. If you haven't had a chance, please subscribe to our podcast today to stay up to date with the latest episodes. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please consider rating us, writing a review, or sharing it with others so we can continue to build you up with an I'm Third approach to family, leadership, and spiritual growth. For more information about the podcast, visit canacuckpodcast.com. And for more information about Canacuck, you can visit canacuck.com.